The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Hello. Somebody came up to me last week and they said, we don't know who you are and why you're here. I never know whether to, I never know whether to do that because I always feel like I'm, for those of you who come somewhat regularly, I'm going to be saying it over and over again, but I will introduce who I am. My name is uh, Dave, and I am a uh, marriage and family therapist, and um, I also used to be a college pastor for uh, about six years, and um, actually went to the inn here at UPC, and actually my dad, when I was uh, two moved out here to be the senior high pastor here at UPC. And so I have memories of being out in the, right up by Calvin. There's a little uh, courtyard there, and there's a, there's a stone fence, or stone fence, stone little wall that's about three feet high, and I literally have memories of standing on top of that and, and, and jumping off and thinking I probably would not make it. Like, my, my probably going to break a leg. I'm probably, but I'm going for it. And I did, and I, I remember making it. Um, the, uh, I, I threw up on the senior pastor's wife. <laughs> yes, I did. Yep. As a two year old, at the right, right there, right on her shoulder. And it was just, oh, isn't that cute? Have him back. Um, uh, and, um, so I have a long history here and, um, um, I love this gathering. I really do. And I just think, haven't they done an amazing job of getting this place ready for us tonight? Isn't that great? The, uh, it just feels so warm in here. I love it. Um, but listen, I want to tell you, well, I really have a passion for this age bracket, for where you are. And um, I remember when I was in your age bracket uh, about 10 years ago, I remember sitting in these pews when we were doing this. And I just remember thinking, this is one of the toughest age times of life to go through, you're right in that place where you're, you're, you're out of kind of the, you know, you're no longer a kid, but you still, you're still working to figure out what you're going to do, you're still working to figure out who you are, still working to figure out how am I different from the family that I come from? How am I the same? Just still all these questions. Who am I going to be with? Who am I not going to be with? Who are my friends? Are these people going in the same direction that I'm going in? It's a hard time. It's a lot of stress, a lot of challenges. So I have a real passion for where you are. I have a lot of respect for what you're doing. And I get the uh, privilege in the work that I do. I do a lot of groups um, with men. I see men and women, um, but I get to see do a lot of groups with men. And I just, well, I tell you what, every week I'm inspired. I have them behind my desk. I have a cork board that has yellow pieces of paper. Those of you who know me have seen this. I've got a corkboard, and on it are probably 100, maybe 150 pieces of yellow paper. And on those pieces of paper are smart things people have said to me that I just think, oh, man, I'm stealing that. That's so good. And, uh, and I, I do kind of feel like I have this big scam going where I just get to take smart things people say and pass them on, and they think I'm smart. It's awesome. Um, you, should, you should get that gig if you get so lucky. Um, so anyway, I, I just want to tell you, it is always such a privilege here. I have a tremendous amount of respect for John. You have no idea, you have no idea how difficult it is to do John's job. You don't. This job in this, in this church has a long history of trying to reach this bracket. It's very, you are very, very difficult. You move a lot. 
Um, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Plant forever, for, for crying out loud. You have jobs that take you out and, 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 and you guys are at that age bracket where you know your boss doesn't mind going, hey, no problem, we need you 80 hours. And if you want to move up, they just put those bars in front of you and it's just tough. It's hard. You don't have the, a lot of voice yet. And so this bracket right here can drain people. It really does. It's really, really hard. You have no idea how hard it is to be John Epps. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for what he does. Guy has got a, a heart for you guys like you do not know. He loses sleep over this group and this group doing well. He loves this group. He loves this population. I want to tell you something. That's true. Been with him. And um, so it is an honor to be here. We're going to talk tonight about the battle between authenticity and image. And Jesus is going to take that on. Get the picture now. Jesus has gathered these people up on a mountain. I love that he does this. Right off the bat, he's gone and he's done his you know, trial in the desert. And he's, he started to gather his disciples. And as soon as he does, he starts opening it up to the people like you and like me. And he sits them down and he starts talking to them. And that's where you get the Beatitudes. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who are broken hearted. Starts doing this invitation. If you thought before that you were going to come here because you look good, because you sound good, because you're smart, because of your income, because of your looks, which is what we all know get measured first on Match.com. Right? I mean, that to me... Is, I was thinking about this, and I was actually talking to somebody. I asked their permission if I could bring this in because I started laughing. They were talking about just the horrors, horrors, the horrors. Or as my friend from Texas would say, the horrors, Dave, the horrors. <laughs> the horrors of Match.com. <laughs> and if you want to take it up a notch, the gauntlet of eHarmony. You know, some of you have tried this, I, I, and I have. I've tried both of those things. And, and Mesh.com is just sort of this meat markety kind of like, how much do you make? That's personal. You know, I mean, there's these questions like, how, you know, how tall are you? And all this kind of stuff. And what's the best photo you can put forward? And it's all based on what's the best image that you can put forward. I and mean, work stress over it and try and figure out what's the right words. How do I say? Do I tell them that I have a problem burping all the time, said somebody. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if you want to tell that on your profile page. But it's true. Should I don't know. I leave my fly open a lot. I forget it. I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm forgetful. I'm minding a lot of things. Do I tell that? I don't know. E-Harmony goes through that gauntlet where they ask you specific. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But those of you who know what I'm talking about, just be sympathetic for a minute. You know those questions, they start off and they're all benign and then they just like do this quantum leap where suddenly they're like, and then what's your most embarrassing moment? Tell it on this screen to this person that you don't know. And you're like, I don't know if I want to answer this. And then they, then you start getting into the dialogue between the two of you and they're like, ask each other any question that you want. And this is this time where the pressure of image starts coming right to the front. What do you tell somebody else? What do you show somebody that puts forward the image that you want them to see? We all face it. You go in for your work interview. What do you want them to see when you come to meet them? 
And we're told how to dress, how to walk, how to talk. And if you don't do these things right, I want to tell you, we can laugh, it is funny sometimes. But I'll tell you, those things that we get in our image that don't work for us can cause us the most pain that we experience. Sometimes even more than where we come from as a family. Image. So hard. What's the image that I put forward to show the world where the world will say, we like you. We accept you. We want you to be part of us. We know that feeling at some level where the world has said, no thanks. Some subtle form of rejection. You're too short. You're too tall. You're too skinny. You're too heavy. You're too smart. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're too pretty. Some form of saying, no, you're not enough. And so we go back to being conscious of the image that we put forward. The image, the image, the image. Like a ball and chain. We're just walking around with it all the time. What's the image that I'm going to put forward? We're conscious about it, conscious about it. We can get obsessive about it. And Jesus in the midst of that says to these people, my thing for you is that you were made on purpose. Don't forget that. If there is one thing I don't want you to forget is that you are not an accident. When I was a little kid, I used to watch Laverne and Shirley. Does anybody know Laverne and Shirley? Thank you. Don't leave me hanging out here. I'm going to tell you, it's a lonely feeling. And the older I get, the more, like if I do this with junior high kids, they're like, hmm, yeah, no, Laverne, I have no idea what you're talking about. It was a television show in the 70s. And there's this scene in the beginning, they were working in Milwaukee, and there's this, they were, they were uh, inspectors for a, for a uh, beer company, and the beer bottles are walking by. And they just have this one scene where they're supposed to be looking at it, and you just see one of them just kind of looking up into the sky as the bottles are coming by. And sometimes I think we feel that way. It feels sort of like maybe when God was making people, God was kind of looking the other way and didn't really notice me walking by. I didn't notice all these things I've got going on and now I got to clean it up or pray really, really hard for God to come in and fix it because now I got this thing. If he just caught it back in the inspection line, it would have been better. You know, if God was just watching, that's all I'm asking for. So we know that feeling. What I think Jesus is saying to us on the Sermon on the Mount, the one big, big, big nail is you are not an accident. You're made on purpose. Now, does that mean you don't have things that you need to grow up? No, of course, you've got things that you're going to grow up. That's his whole point of discipleship. That's where he's going to take Peter, who is a rock. He's going to turn this guy who is, who is impulsive, this guy who takes a sword out to solve his problems. And by the time you get to Acts, he's one of the people that people are going to for wisdom. He sees us in a process. He sees us as someone who's going to start here and grow into the fullness of who we're meant to be. But don't confuse that with the starting point of you are made on purpose. That God watched you and said, it's really good. What's your name? Sarah. He said, Sarah, you're on purpose. What's your name? Carly. Carly. He said, Carly, you're on purpose. Every one of you, God said, it's good. We need a Carly. 
That's exactly what I want on this earth. For this time and this place, we need a Carly. We need a Sarah. That is God's will. That is God, the way God works. And Jesus is working in a Jewish culture that is so far away from that. Where image is everything. So, you got your Bible? Go ahead and open it up to, to Matthew chapter 6. Some of you may even find that there's a Bible in front of you. Now I'm going to read from a little bit of a different translation. So if you notice differences in the words, note that that's where the, the translators struggled with the Greek. They're trying to figure out what these mean. And sometimes if this is your own Bible, go ahead and underline the words that are different. And if it's a pew Bible, don't underline it. That's just vandalism. Um, okay, here we go. Chapter 6, Matthew Jesus says to them, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men or for people to be noticed by them. He says, Otherwise you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Therefore, if you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you. They think that in the old, in the days of, uh, in the temple, that when they were ready to give alms, a trumpet would be blown. And so what he's saying is, you, you, some of you, the way you're giving your, the way you're giving your offering, the way you're talking about it, or the way that you're projecting it, or the way that you're, you're going about it is so that people can see and see people can take notice and can esteem you. He says, therefore, would you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be honored by people. The hypocrites. Now, what this, this word means is, is it comes down to those people who are pretending either to the world or, get this, they're pretending to themselves. Some of you know what that's like to walk around with that burden of feeling like you are pretending even to yourself that you don't have certain feelings or that you don't have certain things that you think you ought to be doing with your life. i got to be honest with you. I'm going to give you a little small example. I can't stand. Some of you know about this. I'm not a big church singer. Some people know that about me. When I told people that for the first time, I thought I was going to get thrown out of church. I'm like, I'm not a big group singer. I like singing. Just not with all of you. At the same time, I just don't really want to do it. It's just kind of me, who I am. Now, when I started that, when I started kind of confessing that, I kind of felt like, is that going to be okay? Can we all worship together? And can I just sit? Is that all right? That I felt this pressure when they say stand, to stand, to fit in. We're all going to stand. Well, I, my legs get tired. I'm getting older. I don't want to stand. I want to sit. And so for me, one of those things is it is hard when you come into a group to stay yourself. There's this poster with all these penguins. Have you seen it? And there's this little one in the middle that's the yellow one going, I got to be me. That's tough to do. It's hard when you got a a group of people that are all doing the same thing. For someone to go, I got to be me. I love my niece, Sonia. My niece, Sonia, is seven. And she is so great. She's eight. She just turned eight. I'd be in trouble. I'd be in trouble. She'd be like, I'm eight. Um, but my niece, Sonia, so great. I just, I just had my birthday two Mondays ago, and she left me on my door. What? No, I'm not eight. Although I, some people may argue with that. Um, he is eight. Um, she, yeah, little picture of uh, the little mermaid on my door, on my front door of my house. So, so great. I've left it there for two weeks. It's awesome. Um, 
But she's so great because I love what I love about the way my sister and my brother-in-law have raised her is that she gets to pick out whatever she wants to wear. She gets that choice. That her her wardrobe is her domain, and so it is any on any given day. It might be you know like like a, a bell from uh, Beauty and the Beast up top, Halloween on the bottom. Just multiple seasons. Sometime one time I do a lot with music too. One time I was doing my own show, and she came Christmas dress. Why? It was July. But, you know, for her, that was the most fancy dress that she could think of. And so she wore her Christmas dress. So she comes in and it's full on like the red velvet with the, the snow, the Santa little furry thing. She just comes walking in just like no problem and sit right here and be watching you. I mean, she's just, that's Sonia. She just embodies authenticity. She's not trying to be anybody, anybody for anybody else. She's not trying to fool, she doesn't fool herself. That's what they mean by the hypocrites. He goes, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. What that means is, when you get this from people, awesome. God, what Jesus is saying, and it's a little harsh, but somehow Jesus says in the economy of the kingdom of the Spirit, you get the applause of the group, and God says, I'll let you have it. No problem. If you get the applause of the group, it's a great thing. But if you want my applause, I want authenticity. I want you to take it out of the arena where everybody's watching you. I want you to dig down and start asking the question, who are you? Who did God make you to be? And I want you to start being that for me. Because I get so much joy out of watching you be the you that I made you to be. goes on. He goes, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your alms may be in secret and that your Father... In other words, don't you, sometimes you, you have to do it like that whole thing about fooling yourself. You kind of sometimes have to do this and, and there's a part of you that is the showman or the show person. And there's a part of you that sometimes kind of has to force yourself to do this in a way where it kind of stays between you and God. That your alms may be in secret and your Father who sees you in secret will repay you. And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites. You're not to be as the people who fool others and fool themselves. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen, in order to be seen. You know that drive to be seen? Where are we going to be? Or we're going to be where we get to be seen. You're thinking about what party you're going to go to. You're going to think about what gathering you're going to go to. Some of you know what it's like to be talking to someone even in church and you're talking with them right here and they're looking right over your shoulder to see who the person is that's just slightly more popular than you that they can talk to. I want to tell you something right now. When someone comes into this church, one of the greatest gifts you can give them is your full attention. One of the things that I learned from a, from a pastor who used to be the president over at Taylor University is he would talk about sometimes my, my challenge is sometimes I'll be walking from one thing to another thing and somebody just, and I, and I love it that they do, they'll come up and want to talk about something that I've talked about in a, in a talk or they've got something going on and they know I'm a counselor so they just kind of want to bat something off me. That's all fine. So one of the things that I learned to do from this pastor who used to be the president at Taylor, at Taylor University in, in uh, Indiana is he said, you know, one of the things you can do is you can sit down 
Or you can rest against a wall. You can stop and let them know that you're there. And you can sit there and be there with them. And now you got a time constraint. I know you can't be there all night. Let me tell you people, sometimes if you're in the middle of something, it's probably not the time to have a 45-minute conversation. So you need to be a little bit sensitive to people's time. That's all right. But when you're ready and you have to get moving, it's something to just be able to stand up and say, okay, thank you so much for sharing. That lets them know that your time is running out. But while you're there, you're letting them know, I'm here. I'm not moving past you. I'm not looking around to see who, who's more popular. I'm not looking around to see what I can, where else I can be where I'm seen. Give that gift of your full attention. I tell you what, it'll change someone's life. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. I love that picture. Picture this room where you walk in, you close the door, and imagine maybe there's some candles like this, maybe some lighting like this. And imagine it feels like you're by yourself. And imagine God saying, you're not by yourself. You have my full attention. Imagine God coming to you, sitting down on the stool and saying, tell me what you got. I'm not looking over your shoulder. I'm not waiting to be seen by anybody else. I'm not looking to see who the most popular person in the room is right now. You've got me right here. I'm all here. See this movement that Jesus is going to be working with us on. Now hang with me on this. Is that Jesus is going to start to coach you. He's going to start to coach me. He's saying, Dave, what I want you to do is start giving to people what I give to you. I'm going to give you my full attention, Dave. Give your full attention. Later on, he's going to say, I'm going to forgive you. Will you turn around and give that back? Give that to other people. Does it make sense what I'm saying? That is authenticity. Moving away from image. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. When I was in college ministry, I used to, on my darker days, I'm just confessing this to you. Sometimes when I'd be tired, I'd start counting the amount of times I heard somebody say, just really, in their prayers. I just really, one. Just really, two. Just really, just really, just really. And it would just start to be like, you know, you, you just say it. You could just, you could just say it. Jesus is saying there's this thing about sometimes we get into this prayer where we start thinking. And, and I want to tell you, sometimes you guys know what I'm talking about. We get into these small groups of prayer and the girl that you were looking for, you're the girl that you're kind of wanting to ask out. You get kind of up close and you get kind of personal and you start praying, dear Lord, I just really want to tell you. That I just really want you to really, just really want you to really bless this woman. Really, just really. You know what I'm talking about. And she goes, oh man, he's so spiritual. (laughs) Listen, it's... You gotta have a little bit of grace and a little bit of humor here because we all know what that's like. We're all trying to find that person. That's alright. But what God is saying is, man, what I want from you is just your heart. I just want you to pray from your heart. Say it. You don't need to make it sound spiritual. I remember this time when I was in a small group Bible study 
and we were going around and praying. And one person just said, God, I'm pissed at you. Amen. You feel the awkwardness? Mm -hmm. And I just sat there and went, awesome. That probably encapsulates all of us at some point. And this person, little penguin in the middle of the room going, just got to be me. And just said it out loud. And I said, hey, you're in good company. Job said it. You know, I mean, Isaiah said it. I mean, it's all the Moses says it. I mean, it's in there. You want to see in the Bible, go all the way through it. It's in there. It's a biblical prayer. And I think God heard it. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need. Before you ask Him, do you know that? You're about ready to ask, and God goes, I already know what you need. Go ahead and ask. But I already know what you need. And then we have the Lord's Prayer. Pray, that, pray then in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, say it with me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then later manuscripts add this, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men or people, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. This idea, I'll tell you, there's a line in this prayer that really threw me for a long time. It's about this idea of do not lead us into temptation. I think there's a lot of people whose theology thinks that God secretly will do that. The translation here, what it means is it has more to do with the idea that if I'm led into a place that's tempting, don't let me fall. When I go into that room that is full of temptation, guys, you know what I'm talking about. Don't let me fall in that room, God. Women, you know what it's like for some of you who struggle when you go to the mirror and you want to start bashing yourself for the way your body looks. You know that temptation. Lord, don't let me fall when I walk into the room where my temptation waits for me. Please, Lord. That's the prayer. Don't let me fall. Okay. In the backdrop. You guys all with me so far? Yeah. There are four ways of looking at God, four limiting views of God that are active in the midst of this culture um, that Jesus is talking to. First one is that God is not fully present. I need someone who's, who's an extrovert. Who's willing to come up here with me? Who's, who's, who, there we go. You are. Come on up. You are. Good. You just raised your hand. Good. Here we go. Come on up. What's your name? Hannah. Hannah. Come on up here, everybody. Let's give Hannah. Let's, let's welcome her up. Anna, nice to meet you. Good. Go ahead and sit here. And uh, and all I want to all I, you you have one simple task, Hannah, and all that is to do is to say is to say, God, I need your help. So when I say you're, you're when I say Q, you're going to say, God, I need your help, and I'm going to play God. That's kind of a sad picture. I understand that. So you're going to have to scrub it from your mind later on. I understand that. But for right now, for the sake of drama, we're going to uh, I will be playing the role of God. Hannah will be playing the role of the. Prayer, okay? All right. Q. God, I need your help. The first one is that God is not fully present. Huh? 
God, I need your help. Sorry, I was thinking about this football game. I mean, and uh, it was i was just still really wrapped up in the fact that my team lost. I'm sorry, and I cannot remember your name. What was your... You are who again? Hannah? Hannah, that's right. That's right. I think I knew your mom. That's uh, She's great. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. And scene. All right. The second one is that God is not fully powerful. Go ahead. God, I need your help. I would love to help you. But your life is so heavy. I just can't lift it. Your problems make my arms hurt. <laughs> And seen. <laughs> the third one is that God is not kind. Q? God, I need your help. I would, but it's kind of fun to watch you struggle. It's just, I just get that little, I mean, I get, follow, follow with me. You be this way too. Just watch this. I mean, watch this. She's going to totally lose her temper right here. Ah, she did it. <laughs> seen? And the last one is that God's not really all that smart. Cute. God, I need your help. Do do do. Bananas. Here are some bananas. My name's God. Cute. Thanks, Hannah. Everybody, let's give Hannah. So for some of you, for some of you, omnipresent, that's the $10 word. For some of you, God is, this is one of those things where you're going to have to kind of search yourself and kind of look deep. Because some of us kind of know this intellectually, but when we really are starting to interact with God, do you really believe that God is present? There's a lot of us that are walking around and it's hard. It is tough for me. I'm looking at Libya right now. I'm looking at Japan and there's a part of me that it can creep in. Is God really there? Omnipresent. Christianity asserts that absolutely is powerful if God were powerful enough omnipotent is the $10 word why wouldn't he have stopped what didn't stop when I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed Maybe God wasn't present, omnipresent. Maybe God wasn't powerful enough to stop it, omnipotent. Maybe God isn't kind, omnibenevolent. There's that feeling sometimes if you look in your heart that you can feel like God is not doing what's right for the people. That if you were kind, if you were kind, wouldn't you feed the poor that are starving in this country right now? Do your prayers reflect a trust in the kindness of God? Sometimes mine don't. And I can catch it in the way I'm praying. I'm asking God to be kind. As if he's not. I'm asking God to be powerful as if he's not. I'm asking God to be present as if he's not. Be here, God. You'll hear it in our songs sometimes. We'll pray and it'll come out. Please be kind. Please be present. Please be powerful. Christianity states you don't have to ask God to be what God already is. Or the fourth one, smart, 
omniscient, all-knowing. We pray as if God doesn't already know what you're going to ask. So we pray as if I've got to tell him exactly what's happening. You may not have noticed this, God, but there's this thing happening at work. And let me tell you what's happening. Now, I'm not trying to make, please, go ahead and do that. But the point that I'm making is that when we we have a belief, a limited God, when our God is limited, it is no wonder that we turn to the audience with our spirituality and start going to image. When our faith doesn't believe in a God that is omnipotent, that is omnibelevant, when it's omniscient, we will turn to people because that's the next best thing. Image. What you see in me. And I don't want to shame people. I mean, I can do this too. But sometimes what I think Jesus is saying is, if you're turning to people for image, is it time for you to turn back to God and ask yourself the question, do I believe that God is all-powerful? Do I believe that God is all-present? Do I believe that God is all-kind? And do I believe that God is smart? How would my prayers look different if I believed those things, if I stepped on it? Mike Gaffney is a good friend of mine, and he and I have been walking together for a long time, and he talks about faith being this thing of what are you willing to to, to step out on and put your full weight on? Are you willing to put your weight on on God being all-powerful? Are you willing to put your weight on it? Are you willing to put your weight... On God knowing all. Are you willing to put your weight on God being all kind? Are you willing to put your weight that God is smart? Tonight when you go to bed, I challenge you to pray fresh. And just try it. Try putting your weight. God, you are all powerful. Here's my prayer. God, you are all knowing. Here's my prayer. God, you are all are are, are kind. So here's my prayer. God, you're smart. Here's my prayer. If you want to be authentic, four challenges. The first one is to let your view of God conform to the image of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you grew up in families where your God, if you were to look real close, if I were to ch- check your spiritual life, your prayers, and and you were to talk about how your prayers Look, you might find some similarities between your God and your dad. Or your God and your mom. Who may have given you what you want only if you ask ten times. Or may have only noticed you if you misbehaved. Some of you know what that's like. Or may not have been forthright about what they were doing. And so some of you transfer that, I can, over onto God. So now I'm praying to God, but in my background, I'm actually praying to a subtle version of one of my folks. So one of the exercises you can do is literally visualize your parents literally lifting them out of the scene and literally letting Jesus take the place and letting Jesus come and say, now you talk to me. 
And you trust me that I know everything. Trust me that I'm all powerful. Trust me that I'm all kind. And trust me that I am all smart. Now let's talk. And watch him sit down and say, you have my full attention. I challenge you. If your prayer life feels stale, as mine can at times, start again. Just try it again. And this time, put those four things back in place. Let God be fully God in the image of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The second thing is that Jesus is saying, you got to practice what you pray. Now, this is just true. This is one of those things I want to challenge you. Some of you have been hurt. I have, you have, we all have. But some of you have been hurt in a way that you're carrying it around. It's almost like a backpack that somebody took a big rock and put it in your backpack and you just shouldered it up and said, I'm going to carry it. And what this, this, this rock is, is it's a debt that somebody owes you. Now, I'm not talking about it. There's some things that I want to be real careful on because I know that some of you have gone through abusive situations. I don't want to talk about that tonight. That gets a lot more complex. Forgiveness itself is a really tricky concept. It really is. But I want to talk tonight about those, especially those of you guys where the guy cuts you off on the freeway and now he owes you. You know what I'm talking about. I want to talk about those level of trespasses during the day. Now we could talk all day long about all the different levels, but for right now, or that person that looked at you wrong. Or that person that didn't serve you right. Or the person that didn't call you back on time. And you just start writing little pink slips, little IOUs, and putting them in your backpack along with the rock. They owe me. 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 And you're just walking around. I'm fine. I just got all these debts in the back of my backpack. I'm just carrying them around. Don't mind me. I'm just, I'm fine. I'm all right. I got my backpack on. I just got all these IOUs. Someday I'll take care of them. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to start taking those IOUs out. And when you can, do the work. Do the work. Do you need to talk to them? Go talk to them. Jesus says, leave your alms at the altar and go reconcile. If you can reconcile, go reconcile. Some of you have conversations that you're just not having because you're stubborn. I can be. You're like, well, I'm just going to let them sit there. I'm just going to let them dangle. They hurt me. They're going to suffer by not being my friend. And I'm going to keep the little eye on you in my backpack. Oh, yeah, it's throwing my back out. But it's justice. Jesus is saying is, it doesn't work. You've got too much to do. Listen to this. Listen to this. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Drill that nail in. Boom, 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 boom. And if you are carrying around 90 pounds of IOUs, think about it. you got to walk to everything you do with all those IOUs. And you're trying to fulfill your life mission. You're saying, I just want to do what God wants me to do. And I want to say, how light's your backpack? You're carrying around 90 pounds. No wonder you're weighed down. You know, one of the most freeing things, we'll talk about it next week. It gets complicated. Some of you come talk to me afterwards. That's okay. But one of the things that I love to do, just on my way to work as a practice, is when somebody is rude to me on the road, I love to slow down, wave them in. Wave them in. Send a blessing. Because I know that if you just did that to me, 
you are not a happy person. You can't possibly be. I love it. I love it. Today I was driving down the road and this Amazon.com truck comes roaring towards me. And I'm driving. I'm thinking, I'm a dead man. I'm not going to make it through this street. Our streets are low. He takes his truck and pulls it way over the side. It goes like that. He blessed me. Amazon.com. Anybody work there? It's true. He blessed me. And I want to challenge you that, that you can, on your way to work, you can practice this. And what Jesus is calling us to, He said, I want you to forgive as your Heavenly Father has forgiven you. Because if you don't, if you stay in the mind where everybody owes you, you are not going to know what it feels like when God says, what's your name? You. Je- what is it? Justin? Justin. When He says, Justin, you're forgiven. Clean slate. Totally free. Go. He does it all the time. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Go sin no more. You're clean. You're not going to know what that's like. You're going to miss it. You're going to think that you still are that bad person that somebody told you you are. You're still going to be carrying around that feeling like, I might look good, my image might look good, but deep down inside, I still carry that shame. And so you can hear your internal voice just beating yourself up. Now listen, the research is that shame does not work. If you are using shame to try and change yourself, if I just beat myself up, if I just hit myself hard enough, then I'll change. I know there's a good reason behind it, but the problem is it doesn't work. Ten years from now, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, you will still be beating yourself up and you will have changed very little, says the research. You want someone to change? Catch them when they make their first step towards what you think is good. Awesome. Way to go. It's not full. It's not all the way there yet, but that step, awesome. Do that for yourself. You want a homework assignment? I'm big on that. Tonight, most of you brush your teeth. Something to put down on your little eHarmony page. Brush my teeth. <laughs> Tonight, when you're brushing your teeth, you know that you think about your day anyway. You know you start talking to yourself. My dad's phrase is, you know you, say, you know you talk to yourself. You might as well say something nice. That's what he says. You're brushing your teeth. Some of you are like this. Some of you are like, you know, you've got your little thing. And I want to challenge you tonight that you say to yourself, nice job when you did what? Nice job when you let that person in on traffic. Way to go. Nice job when you gave that person your full attention. Way to go. Just like Jesus would say to you. I know you didn't get it all perfect, but I've forgiven you. I'm catching you right in the act of what you did well. And I'm affirming that. Way to go. Simon, son of John. Nice job. Sarah. Really nice job. Carly. Great job. I want to challenge you. For some of you, that's going to be the first time in your life that you've ever heard those words. And it comes from you first. But it's an agreement with what Jesus is already saying to you. You do that for yourself and it's like shifting gears where suddenly you can start offering it to other people. I'm just going to, and this is, I'll tell you what, this is what you're going to get into next week. One of the most empowering things you can do is just let someone off the hook for no reason. Try it. No justice. 
No payback. I forgive you. It's one of the most empowered states you can do. And you're going to watch Jesus coach people on that. Now, again, I'm not getting into whole realms of abuse. I'm not getting into whole realms of of some kinds of crimes and some kind of trespasses. But we know that those 90% of those things that happen, that person probably cannot do any better than they did. They've got a life that is shouldering up on them that's breaking them down. They have got an emotional maturity that is the best. You just saw their best. And you can spend your life being bitter about their best. And their best is never going to get better. So you can either tack an IOU and put it in your backpack and let it weigh you down. Or you can take an empowered stance and say, you know what? Off. You're done. Forgiven. And walk clean. Feel the power. Feel the power. And Jesus is saying, now that you've done that, see what it feels like when I forgive you. And when it feels better, you won't want to go back to the other way. You've got to practice what you pray. You've got to forgo the applause of the masses. I'm going to keep this one short, but I'll say this. Family systems theory says that all of us are born into a family of some kind. We work in a family of some kind. We work in a system and that that system requires certain people to play certain roles. And some of you know what it's like that I get the applause if I play the role I was given. And either that role is the superstar, or that role is the achiever, or that role is the underfunctioner, or that role is the, the clown, or that role is the smart person, whatever it is. And we just start fitting into that role. Because when we do, the crowd goes, you are as we want you to be. Even if they're all saying that's a crappy role, they still are giving us the attention of going, you're fulfilling your role. I want to tell you one of the most liberating things you can do to be authentic over image is to start to say, does that, does this sound like what God wants me to be? Does he want me to be the clown all the time? What would it be like if one night you go into that family system and you don't tell all the jokes and instead you say something serious about what's going on with you? Watch how uncomfortable the system gets. And they all go, <laughs> tell that story about when. Yeah, sorry, you've heard that story. How are you doing? Cricket, 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 cricket. <laughs> That's authentic. Maybe, you are, maybe that role you used to play doesn't fit you anymore. That's all right. One of the things I love about Jesus is that he gives us the opportunity to say, that role that you had, you don't have to keep that anymore. That's just image. You be who I made you to be. You play for me. You come brush your teeth and let me, and you hear me going. That time when you were in the midst of all those penguins and you raised your hands and you said, I just got to be me. Way to go. I'm so proud of you. Last one. Be ready for surprises. A woman comes in when Jesus is at the table with some Pharisees. She hears she's lying. He's lying there. And this is in Luke chapter 7. She comes in. She hears that Jesus is there. She comes in. And there's, there's something about the grace of who Jesus is. She comes down. She lies down. And she's just overwhelmed with emotion. She's got this vial of perfume. And she starts anointing his feet. And in that day, you might as well have taken your clothes off and sang the national anthem. It is just not done. You don't show emotion. You don't waste expensive stuff. You don't cry in front of people. All She's breaking every rule possible. Not only that, 
she's got a reputation for probably being a prostitute. So in comes this prostitute, lies down. She starts doing all, all this stuff. And one of the Pharisees says, if Jesus was who he says he was, he'd know who this woman was and he'd tell her to stop. He would know that he, an unclean person can't touch what's holy. If he's the Messiah, there's no way this person can touch that person. And I love the way Jesus looks at him and says, Simon, this is his name. Since I came in here, you have not washed my feet, which would be customary. She's washed them with her tears. Since I came in, you've not anointed my forehead with oil, which is customary. She's anointed me with her her perfume. Simon, you're right on so many things about image. But this woman got it right because she's being authentic. You gotta be willing. You may be embarrassed. You're gonna be authentic. Get ready for the crowd to go. No, don't do that. Be with the sheep. Hmm? We all do it this way. And at the end of the day, go back and brush your teeth again. You guys are gonna have the whitest teeth ever. Yeah. And imagine Jesus, the audience of one, just going, awesome. You surprised them. You felt the pressure. But you were you. There's only one that made you. And that's me. Your homework tonight. Your prayer looks different. That your conversation with God is different. And you let go of image and make it your mission to be authentic. Lord Jesus, I know that in this room these are complicated issues. I know that people in here are dealing with so much pressure. I know that there are people working for places that require certain images. Oh, Lord, help them. I know that you are all powerful. I know that you are all present. I know that you are all good. I know that you are all kind. So I leave it to you and them. It's their choice to say yes or no. Image or authenticity. I pray they be authentic. In Jesus' name and all God's people said,